When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. I am trying to decide whether I want us to do a Dear Uhuru or if we should just leave it for next week. And which podcast is this? Uh, It's Campaign Skyjacks. Oh. Oh, that's fine. Uh, No, this is paired, and you haven't written anything. Ooh. And you're naked. Ooh. Just like a record. All all of your teeth are falling out. (laughs) I record all paired in the nude. We're back with Travis and Oromar. We can see the chasseur step into the grove. This changeling was running from something that is very familiar to you. It was running from the presence of the cutting stone. It felt death was close. Too close. Mm. Oromar... You've got a loud and upset finch in your mouth. (laughs) Travis has like, you probably couldn't see Travis with Oromar's eyes, but Mm -hmm. you can definitely sense his spiritual presence take off after the changeling. You can feel the icy touch of the cutting stone looming towards the area. What do you do? What we're going to go and do (laughs) is... We want to, because we know where this uh, changeling is heading in the general direction, we want to control where this thing is headed. And there are many ways of doing that. What Oromar is going to pick to choose is to find a small rock big enough to like take in one hand and throw and pursue with the intent of hurling the rock with superhuman strength to miss... But to kind of like, you know, if you hear a loud crack to your right, you're going to start running left away right. from. Mm. Okay. So Oromar is like coordinating with Travis now. Like we are going to herd this creature to where we want it, to where we can capture it or, you know, do what we need. Yeah. there There is a silent agreement between you and Travis. You know how to step in and support Travis very naturally. Mm. And you also know that whatever you and this creature are running from is extremely important to run away from. (laughs) 
And I feel like this is a good time to cut back to Gable. Gable. Where is my bird? (laughs) So unprofessional. It's really unprofessional. I had all these treats for it. Gable. Yeah, I I think you ask Nodo. Like, Wendell leaves the room. Wendell, someone who is able to face an emotional crisis. (laughs) Fixed it. Thought about it. Done. Yeah. I read a book. I finished the book. I'm done reading. He is at Mm -hmm. peace. I cannot, I I, I can't fault him for that. Uh, Nodos, though, has been wrestling with a great deal. And Nodos is at the edge of the pool now. And Nodos looks to Gable. What do you intend to do? It's the same old thing. The rules that apply to you don't apply to me. I'll go in. I'll come out. Gable... There is much that has gone unspoken, and that is my fault. It's unspoken, but I know. I know. I... I cannot face you taking a risk in this way without it being spoken in the open, and I must speak my piece, if you would allow it. Yes. I joined this crew because I believed in the mission that Captain Oromar proposed. I believe in the destruction of the Red Feather Syndicate. And I believe that a man of my talent can commit themselves to many things in their lifetime. And most of those are distasteful. But I believe I believe that the core of Oromar's mission is not that all of my work, though some of it, might be clouded. Some of it might lack clarity. I believe that it is one of the best things that a person of my talents can commit themselves to. And then you joined the crew. And then you joined his council. And I have come to understand that There was deception in that. But you and yours became a guiding hand for our ship. And the mission became clearer. When we were on the civility, I I know that you know that I saw an indication of your past. I don't want to say what you are because... I can't live with the idea of suggesting that you are a thing other than the person that I have come to know. We found friendship in the fact that the two of us and Wendell, we are willing to be careless with ourselves in a way that most people are not. I do not fear death. I do not fear my destruction. Because again, I know what I am capable of. I have seen the terrible things that a man who has to make his life through violence must see. But I know that there is goodness at the core of you. And I will admit, I find that beautiful. But I find it to be 
a beautiful thing without expectation. I don't demand things from you. I would never. You destroyed the Sovereign. I can't imagine what it must be like to unpack a truth like that. I can't. But I do know what it is like to fear yourself. Gable, I need you to know that I truly believe at the core of myself more than anything that I have ever believed. If you slew the Sovereign, you did so for the right reasons. There is something that I believe at the core of you. Whether you understand it or not, you do things for the right reasons. And so, what I must say, I would follow you to the ends of the earth. Oh. Because, because I know that thing is at the core of you. And I do not wish to see you be careless with yourself. Oh boy. Gable brings him in for a very light embrace. In the same way, sort of indicating I'm not holding you here with my strength. Gives him a very gentle kiss on the forehead. You can feel him trembling. That means the world. I can't be what you need right now. But... One day I hope to be. If that day is ever to come, is immaterial. What matters to me is that I protect you in the ways that I can until you get wherever you are going. Which is why I ask this before I leave you to do what I know will be right. Why, why do you need to face this trial? So I can see what you see. Because right now I don't. Nodos sighs heavily and nods, looks into your eyes. And again, we know that Nodos is a person of scant and restrained emotion. His eyes barely change. You can see the sincerity, the worry, the admiration, and the love mixed in them. And he nods, that same curt nod that he has given you a thousand times. As the two of you have many, many times over your brief history together aboard the Uhuru, given one another as you have committed to do the wildest things that anyone could imagine. He grabs his spear, which was leaned up against the wall, and heads towards the entrance of the cave. I very much hope that you find what you are looking for. Keep the string lit for me. Always. And he disappears into the darkness. There's something that you can feel about it. We've had you perceiving people's paths in, and you can sense that both Wendell and Nodos 
went in here without even touching the water. They passed the same trial, the countless others who pursued this treasure and turned back have done before. You know their paths. But you can also see your path. And your path ends the way that everyone else's has who's come in here. All those who swam and swam with the urgency of a person headed towards life, going towards death. You can see no deviation. And you also know that you cannot die. What do you do? I can see the string. You can see it. You can see the strings of possibility. You can see versions of this event unfolding where you pace around the well many, many times before diving in. You can see those where you dive in instantly. You can see those where you do a weird kind of belly flop in as you trip right before you dive in. But you see yourself going into the water. I want to attempt to make a new string that leads me right to Rasalka. Beautiful. Yeah, let's get a divine check from you. Yeah. This is just hard. That's a triumph, a success, and an advantage. Excellent. So with that particular combination of results, I mean, when I initially thought up this little challenge for Liz, I pictured Gable simply being able to out-endure everyone who has gone before them. That most people approach this pool and drown on the way down. But Gable, we know, spent however many days free-floating in the ocean, drowning repeatedly and not dying before being washed up on shore for Travis to discover them. So Gable could have faced drowning many, many times. But you have taken cues from Jonnet at this point. You know how to follow pathways. And very importantly, you know how to forge them. And that may or may not be related to understanding Jonnet and his journeys. And I think through this, you experience your last flashback. The next scene is scene five. Close, quiet, and sheltered from wrath. We know about the stars falling, but one of the things that we don't know and haven't addressed is that angels were cast down before they fell en masse from heaven. That the sovereign's displeasure started with the colonel, started with the failure of that first angel of justice who fell to the firmament and was shown a kind of mercy by Uriel. But the sovereign's displeasure grew over time. It became easier to trip. And many before the true fall, before the fall of the sovereign himself, were cast down. And during these periods, it was very difficult. It used to be that the morning star 
was responsible for casting down their brethren of the lower choirs. This was long and sorrowful work, difficult to move through, and especially for a creature that knows only emotion, and when forced to manifest, can process that emotion in different ways. And for one who has to occupy a form like that, for the majority of their time, it is difficult work that sticks with you. But as more angels were called to be cast down, the Sovereign started doing it personally. And that work was not nearly as careful and purposeful. And so we find ourselves once again in what space Lucifer and Uriel have made for themselves. In that space that is designed to be soft and designed to provide comfort for a being who sits with the weight of himself. Because we know elsewhere in heaven it is happening. The sovereign is casting down what displeases him. And in these times especially, it feels like that could be anything. In this moment, I think that their inciting incident to them being here is the Sovereign is casting down the majority of Bellwether's former choir. And Lucifer looks to you in anguish. They are trying to communicate remorse with every part of their being. This is my fault. No, you don't understand. It is, it is, it is, it is. They took joy in their storms. They should have never taken anything at all. I asked him the question. I made a request. He who is free to love me above all other things, above most other things, I asked him for something of mine, and I was denied, and he took displeasure in both my request and denying me. You felt pleasure from him? I asked him for permission to feel that. I asked him for the abstract right for permission to feel that. And he, he did not do it to me. I think he knows. And this is absolutely an intentional reveal, and that must be addressed. Come on, Tower. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. <gasps> oh, okay. He cannot know. We would be dead where we stand. Do we know that? We we cannot conceive of the way that he thinks. How does it make sense that I have wrought displeasure and therefore your choir is extinguished? Why else would you do that? Where's the sense? Perhaps it is not pleasure but fear. 
He fears you. He knows me well enough not to fear me. He made me. He began you. I was light. You were and are fury. You are should. I'm going to go down to see them. I know where they lay. <laughs> what, what, what will you do? You will just see them understand suffering. They're mine. They're me. I know what has happened to me. I need to see it on their faces to know if it is as frightening as I think it is. You've already seen, you already saw what happened to her. I watched you see it. He reaches out for your wrist and holds it and holds it firmly. Do not make yourself see these things. I don't want you to see these things. Now I gotta fucking do this. I must see what has been done so I can pass judgment, as is my calling. If I see wrongdoing in his action... Silence yourself. Never. I shan't. It is one thing to feel. We are not the sovereign. We are made from the sovereign, but we are not the sovereign, we are tasked with representing the sovereign. And therefore, we are imperfect beings. To feel is one thing. To speak is almost a manifest. The pain I see on your face is unbearable. And I don't know what else to do. I cannot continue. She's either this or I fall away. They are one in the same. There is no judgment for him. He is judgment. That is the way. I... The morning star wishes to say more but does not. A creator that denies his beings the entirety of his creation does not deserve. No, 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 no. I will not hear it. You shall. I will not hear hear it. it. You will hear it. Does not deserve creation, and I will not stand. Lucifer leaves. Lucifer grabs his feather from the floor opening his chamber and steps out. That was a re- I think that was a reveal for me. Yeah, for sure. We got to address that. Fuck. Oh god. We did We oops. We goofed it up a little bit there. Do mark off that that reveal happened because okay. the reveal happened whether the poll was successful or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Lucifer 
tries to leave, Mm -mm. but he is unable. Liz, as you knocked over the tower, it is up to you how your character acts on their feelings. As Lucifer is walking out the ethereal door, Bellwether grabs them by the waist, brings them in with his head in their neck, and whispers, I will see you freed from this pain. He wants to move, I think. There's the impulse to step away, but he is not as strong as you. And that gives him the excuse of being unable to pull away. And so, instead, after that pull, and after a moment of stillness, he'll relax back into that embrace. In a moment of panic, Bellwether loosens their arms just to, oh, I don't want you to think that I'm, that I'm trying to overpower you. And I think he turns to fill that embrace and looks at you, looks at you in a way that you are rarely seen, but you enjoy it when you see it because it is clear he does not know what is going to happen next. I do want to know, before we fade to black, do you kiss? I don't think we have bodies. Okay, well, then we actually do need to see a little bit more in that. I just want to know. Because, like, the the bodies are the representation of, like, the sovereign's desire to have us manifest. Mm -hmm. I think our collective flames start alighting. Oh, I do love that. I do love that very much. We see, we see the flames and, and strands of the universe come together, entangle and knot. And zooming out from heaven down to the firmament, we can see in the sky a bright and brilliant twinkling star that is described in many different journals and chronicles, the few that managed to survive the fall of stars, that in history, in the memory of humanity, is treated as one of the signs that the stars were about to fall. And we come back with you knowing that truth. That you, most certainly, the being that is Gable, faced and slew the Sovereign. That you did it for many reasons. The Sovereign was powerful. The Sovereign created humanity. But the Sovereign was also cruel. The Sovereign wrote the rules and wrote them in a way that conflicted one another. 
The Sovereign created a world and beings capable of so much luminous beauty and chose to punish them for that. And you were one of those beings. The Sovereign created you as a creature that could feel love and forbid you from it. And on top of many things, on top of on top of destroying all of your siblings simply for enjoying themselves as they were created to be, on top of forcing you to be the instrument of his hatred and violence, laying waste to many cities over countless lifetimes as the angel of the sovereign's justice. The thing that drove you to it was the fact that you loved the morning star, that he named you Uriel, the Sovereign's Light, something that held all of the beauty that the Sovereign had to offer the world, and none of the darkness. And he named himself Lucifer, bearer of the Sovereign's Light, the thing that was created to love you. And knowing that, and feeling that, gave you the power to do something that was unthinkable, to do the one thing that the Sovereign never could have created you to do, to destroy him. And if not remove all of the cruelty from the world, as we have seen, so much of it remains behind, at least remove the intentional cruelty that he brought to the table. You have the ability to forge your own path. There's a chance that you even invented it. Who's to say? The one thing we can say, though, is that you set your path directly towards Rusalka. You step around her little trial, her spider's web, and you move towards the feather. The feather that you understand as you touch it was definitely once yours. It has a gold glow. This is the feather of an angel of justice. One of the feathers that Lucifer handpicked for you, perhaps even from his own wings. And as you touch it, you understand that it is connected to another body, the body of a fallen, the body of Rusalka herself. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) What?
it's James, your game master, and welcome to the moment you have all been waiting for. The newest generic mid-roll is out. That's right. This one is updated, and it's more generic than ever. Uh, just so everybody knows, I'm doing generic mid-rolls because I recently had a baby, and taking care of a newborn does not leave me with time to do most of my regular podcast duties. Obviously, Skyjax is going to continue posting. I'm just not going to be making bespoke mid-roll announcements for it. Heroes, our captain, our very own Nathan Blades, has designed a brand new role-playing game called The Ballad of Conjurers. It was inspired by JRPGs and the melodrama that they are famous for. And you can pick it up right now on Itch for just five bucks. You can find it by looking Nathan Blades up on Itch or by following the link in our show notes. Heroes, I've also got something new coming out. I wrote a direct follow-up to my very first book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. Basically, we took the concept of prompts and exercises to help you develop backstories for characters at your role-playing table, or really any original characters you want to work on, that use game mechanics to make the process easy and fun, and we expanded it way past the fantasy adventure genre while also including exercises for fantasy adventure. If you're the type of person who loves thinking about your characters or characters in any property that you love, I highly recommend picking up this book. It's coming out in June, but you can pre-order it right now. And pre-ordering is super important. Not only does it tell the bookstores that people are interested in this book, but it tells my publisher that people are interested in this book, and it helps me publish more books and therefore support myself and my family. You can pre-order a copy now by heading to bit.ly slash RPG Backstory 2, and that's 2 as in the numeral 2, or by going anywhere books are sold and signing up for a pre-order. That is all major online retailers, every major brick-and-mortar bookstore, and of course your favorite indie brick-and-mortar bookstores. And I always recommend you go to an indie bookstore or a friendly local game store to order a copy because it helps out so many people. So put yourself down for a pre-order for the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition today. With that said, first I want to thank Lex the Lexicon Artist for joining us as a guest for this arc. In addition to our regular game, for this arc we're playing StarCrossed, the two-player Forbidden Romance RPG. StarCrossed was designed by my dear friend and former network member Alex Roberts and is published by Bully Pulpit Games. You can pick up your own copy of StarCrossed by following the link in our show notes. A big thank you to all the cast and crew who are involved in producing the music for this arc. That is not just our guest for the arc, Lex the Lexicon Artist, but it's also Arnie Parrott, our house musician, Tyler Davis, who you're going to be hearing later on, James Mendez-Hodes, who wrote some lyrics for one of the songs that'll be appearing much later on in the arc, and of course Casey Tony, our editor, for choosing when and where it appears in the show. And also a huge thank you to Tracy Barnett, who assisted Casey Tony on the editing for this arc. As always, one of the biggest thank yous goes to our Patreon patrons who made everything you're listening to possible by supporting the show. Let's thank them right now. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky.
We were in the middle of this dream walking sequence where we're walking through different significant moments in both Jonnet and Teacher Way's pasts. We fade away from Jonnet's past and we move over to Way's. And the card that we drew for this initially was the loom. The loom. A card representing toil, obligation, and sacrifice. Yeah. Lex. Where are we in Way's past? What does this look like? I would love this to be in Way's hometown where Way's parents came up from poverty, you know, toiled, sacrificed, studied, you know, day and night to make a life for themselves in this new land. And Way as a child watches them come home bone tired every single night for the sake of the family. And yeah, I think we can maybe go from there. Maybe a small dwelling, a single family mm-hmm. dwelling. Yeah, I, I think I think one of the things that, that you said, you know, made me realize Wei's family in the place that Wei grew up was displaced. Mm-hmm. One of the things about Sphere is not only did the calamity happen 200 years ago that caused the seas to run afoul, made the seasons run wild, and flooded much of the world, but slowly and slowly, the ocean levels have risen all across Sphere, burying land beneath them, making it so that many people have to pick up from where they have always been and find somewhere new to live. Mm-hmm. Being one of these refugee groups, Way's family found this new place miraculously, as many did not, found this new place to settle and live, but it was not a place that was kind for them. And we see in this kind of horrible time lapse, Way's parents, you know, finding this place in joy and relief then leaving the door and coming back aging rapidly through exhaustion, through overwork, through doing everything they can to support this small family in this part of the world that treats them so harshly. Yes. Through all of their oil and sacrifice, they also impose a lot of restrictions on Wei as well. The culture that they come from is one of restriction, is one of austerity. It's one of a very narrow path of what it is to be normal and what it, uh, you know, what it is to be right, to be successful. You know, there's a very narrow band of possibilities for, you know, what people can be and what Wei's parents wanted them to be was a scientist, a metaphysician. And that was the path that they, you know, put way on throughout this time of growing up. After school, Wei's parents would pay for what would essentially be after school school, where Wei would get extra uh, instruction on, you know, metaphysics and, you know, the sciences. And this was Wei's own version of toil and sacrifice because way throughout their childhood sacrificed their true love which was poetry and writing 
and sacrifice time and and effort and opportunity in order to, you know, make their parents feel like they were seen. And you know, throughout this time, they received so much instruction in something that they didn't end up really having a passion for, and they didn't realize this until maybe in their teens or late teens when they somehow stumbled upon what would be Sphere's equivalent of a a poetry jam or some sort of creative event where people were sharing their writing. I think. What we're seeing through throughout this whole vision, we, we're seeing, you know, forms that definitely represent Way mm-hmm. and Way's parents, mm-hmm. but we are seeing like their soul form, mm. like this burning fire that represents themselves as a person, and we can see how that soul is shaped by culture. Your your parents are burning in this way that moves with the harshness of their own culture, that, that seriousness, that level-headed austerity that they bring. But, you know, we can see them moving day in, day out, and finding new bruises on their soul, mm. new calloused areas where this other culture that is also harsh and also restrictive and austere, but in different ways towards things that that your parents, areas where your parents find freedom, they, they now find that closed off to them. They, they have what they deny themselves and they have what the world denies them. Mm-hmm. And you can see how the rich flames of their souls are battered and diminished to this tired and, and bitter form. And we see Wei's soul as well. Wei being this soul full of bright possibility that can move in so many directions and how over time through this study through this commitment to being a metaphysician it is shaped and moved not just by the culture of the outside world but the culture that that weighs parents uh, carry and impose with them you can see that small gouts of flame this artistic soul at the core of way are just barely lapping at the breeze trying to survive within this harsh reality mm-hmm. and we see the the raw calluses that that cover way that covered their parents the, the the ways in which they have been pulled back and restricted and we see that artistic flame light and burn them away the moment that way is exposed to what is their truest heart's desire right uh, and it was that day forward when Wei realized their true calling was to find a way to manifest their words and make change in the world. And that was what started them on this journey to find the liquid swords. Well, the story goes, you know, after Wei discovers this true passion, Wei ends up dropping out of metaphysician school to the great discouragement of the previously mentioned Dr. Kaplan was, you know, their classmate. And from that felt a large amount of guilt and a large amount of self-imposed disappointment based on looking at what their parents had sacrificed and looking at the obligations that had been imposed onto Wei. They felt like they were a disappointment. But at the same time, they had to 
choose to follow their dreams. And that's where their motivations kind of line up with Janet's. They have to choose to follow their dream despite all the obligations, despite all the sacrifice, because they are selfish and they have a vision and they have a vision to create art, to put writing out into the world and to make change. Yeah, I think that the moment that we see, like, like at the conclusion of this part of the story is, you know, Wei discovers that true fire within themselves. And it is lashed at, again, by, by the world, by, by possibility, by, by, by society, and by, you know, the will of the people that love them. And way, you know, in Way's own way, I think it manifests in a way that is visually different. Way, you know, sees their own possibilities and chooses to stand by their fire, stand by the true shape of themselves. And we can see, you know, silently, because this is not one conversations. This is a hundred conversations that happen with the two people that that Wei is so close to, that love Wei more than anything, and that Wei loves more than anything. But those hundred conversations unfold to the point where a connection doesn't break. It's almost impossible to break connection but it unravels it is severely damaged there is a snapping all at once we see way leave the metaphysical school we see way leave home thrown out of home standing with their own fire and that being the only thing in the world that they hold on to Janet, you know, you, you see this story, you, you see it play out. Is, is there anything that, that you say watching this? The, the look of pity that Janet was giving himself is still present, but it eases up a little bit. And I think very calmly, probably like two steps behind Teacher Way, he just says, it takes a lot to walk that path, especially when you've been shown what it is and you can't see anything else i think as as maybe the the memory is ending Janet maybe like perks up a little bit and actually uh lex yeah correct me if i'm wrong but mm-hmm. is the memory kind of ending when like as you are participating or in this like this jam this this first moment of realization for way it ends when they are essentially leave home yeah, yeah. okay yeah. Okay, great. So as the as the memory kind of, you know, comes to its ethereal conclusion, Donna mm-hmm. just kind of like gives Teacher Way like a small elbow in the the rib and like That's so what cute. Was, <laughs> what was that uh what was that first jam like? I well here here's the thing. I saw you before and then I saw you after. And those were really different people. They sure were. What was that like? It was, it felt like the real thing. And you know what? Speaking of a dramatic change, you're a completely different person from that young Janet in the island. 
felt like such a dramatic transformation. And I think maybe we all have those moments. You know something funny? I I hadn't even received my eye at this time. No? That was a no. That was something that happened after I left home. But I realized, yeah, I realized that my path was to do this. And I saw what I was supposed to do even before I had this eye. So sometimes it really feels intuitive. And I think that's something that we can both relate to. Just this intuition that we were meant to do something great. I mean, I hear that. I I hear you, your mouth is making sounds and they're going into my ears and like my brain hears that. But also like, I didn't leave my house before I got this thing. Mm. Like, and you left your house before you got that thing. He's like, (laughs) he's like, just like this little short, little short motherfucker is just like pointing up at teacher Way's neck. That thing. Like, do you know, that is such a leap of faith. Like I, you don't even know that there's padding at the bottom. At least this is, I mean, I didn't know what this was, and honestly, I'm still trying to figure it out. Hence the conversation that we are having right now. But, like, at least I got some sense of, like, there's something at the bottom to to catch you. You just went for it. Yeah, and honestly, I wouldn't have even been able to have the experience that led to this my acquiring of this eye if I had not left home. So I feel very blessed and lucky that I did so. I think Jonnet is like, he like thinks to himself, he thinks up to the left, and then he's like, do you think that there's a world or a, a, a universe or a state of being where like you and I are like we we don't find the eye or the eye doesn't find us like where where do you think we'd be if not for this like i it's wild i i can't I, it's one of those things i think to myself was i always going to get this was there never an option where i don't inherit this or is there just like a a happy jonnet in acheron just doing nothing and being in bliss you know, I think that there are certain there's certainly those versions of us that exist in an alternate world or universe, but this is where we're here now and uh we have to take every single decision that we've made. Every single decision informs our own individual experiment and every single decision builds upon each decision. But what if there was a way to like get all the other Jonnets from the different different universes into one like one world and then that way we can have the, like normal Jonnet and 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 farmer Jonnet and and Jonnet who's tall and and <laughs> a, a, a girl and and then we've got I can't, Jonnet I can't who wait rides into a the giant robot <laughs> and Jonnet who's a pig for some reason like what don't you want to meet Pigway yeah I suppose I would, but I, I think I certainly would not want to be them. I'm thrilled to be the me who I am right now, and I'm thrilled to be the path that I'm on uh, because it led to me meeting you. It led to that's me- fair. I'm kind of talking crazy. <laughs>
you can see Wei, and you can see this past version of Wei that, that chose to stand in their fire, and you can see the ways in which Wei's soul is a light. Wei, the being, the, the ethereal presence that they are, the true spirit at the core of their being, is not one that has not seen hardship, suffering, or, or strife, but it is one that stands in the shape of that fire that gave them so much joy so long ago. I'm, I'm now interested in this whole hand standing from the sky with additional change. I didn't realise that your previous compatriots, Gable, were capable of such feats. Well, yes, you know, sometimes, like, they get bored up there and they dabble in some sort of graphic design and they're, like, really contract work because they don't, they like to be their own boss. But it doesn't work out for them because, you know... Uh, you, the, being a salaried employee really has the benefits that you want. And uh, They saw a little leaflet. It says, you can make dollars, dollars, dollars in your spare time. And you can, but is it enough? No. Even the deity's got to get that sweet cheddar, that sweet bread at the end of the day, to nom it all down. Eat a coin. That's what I'm saying. Oh. I've got to say, uh, uh, Trexel? Hello. Correct? Uh, yes. Um, I'm I, so I, sorry. I, I didn't get a round of names. What a what a horrible person I am. <laughs> I'm, oh, I just oh, go on. I'm John It. John It. Oh, everybody knows. Oh, it. I get my own song. John It is here, bringing up the rear with so much fun. Everybody, make way for John It to come down. John It with his John It. Oh, he's crowd. leaving the room. Three, four. <laughs> he's in the hallway. <laughs> Oh, he's headed towards the bird cages. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Wait, what, squawk, squawk, what are you doing in the bird cages? I came here to get away from the improv. Is it done? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it, it will follow you around. I'll leave you and your birds. Hang on a minute. I'll just go back to the other room. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got a little overexcited and left the room. <laughs> it's it's all good. It happens. Um, I mean, it's never happened before, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume it's happened at some point in time somewhere. The ship did kind of go through a bit of a musical phase earlier in my career, but um, mm. uh, a little the bit past phase. it these days. My voice is a little bit too gravelly to do a whole Pirates of Panzance thing these days, so, you know. Never let anyone tell you your voice is too gravelly to sing constantly. If I live by that, credo, <laughs> where would I be? Some non-singing idiot being quiet in a hallway somewhere? No! I, 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 okay, so I, I did have a, a follow-up question to the, the planet designing uh, yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm an open book full of lies. Why? 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 Why, did, why design planet? What was the last planet that you've designed? Why did you do it? Were your clients satisfied? And how do you think that that would apply to your journey here on the Uhuru if we, if we let you in? 
Right, that's a lot of questions all in one. Let me take them in turn. Feel free to ask, uh, answer e- any of them. Any of them? Just any of them? Any of them. You have to ask, a- answer at least one, though. Could I ask <laughs> some questions in, in the middle as well? Gable? Oh, okay. uh, ab- absolutely. This is why... I don't know what they okay. are yet. This is why we should have a, like to know a, a one sheet. Just keep it all on one okay. sheet. On the questions. On sheet. How big is this sheet? It's a standard eight and a half by 11. Feet? Okay, lovely. Okay, right. So, <laughs> no. God, how do I get... How did I fold it up in my pocket? It's like a brick. Now, okay, so, first and foremost, what was... Why, why design a planet? Why write a song? Why look into the face of a lovely baby? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I think I've made myself very clear. What was the last thing that I designed? Yeah. It was... You know what? I genuinely don't remember. I've designed so many, so many planets... Um, lava planets, trough moons, um, planets that climb on rocks. Once an entire planet got chicken pox, but that was not to do with me. Okay. That was after we handed over. Oh. So I've got a large repertoire. Um, now I've got some questions for you. Okay. Where the hell do you get off? How, oh, where do you why? get off? Where do I'm you in I most places. Okay, whoa, 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 wait. Oh, hey, oh, oh no, 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 Russell and papers. Oh, rhubarb, rhubarb. All right. Now, I, I'm actually noticing something about this resume that there's there's quite a bit of a gap, actually, between between the, uh, the, the end of your previous employment and, and now. What what did happen to, to the company that you used to work with? It's, in many ways, exploded. But don't let that put mm. you off. Interesting. Things, okay. Oh, things I- explode sometimes. That's that's true. That's true. This happens, and I assume you have nothing to do with with the explosion of, oh, of the company. Who's, so who's to say? Spent. Why are you giving him so many leading Those are questions? Leading. That's the other thing about. We should really go through our interview processes and really have these out questions. a little bit. <laughs> these are all very closed questions. I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually quite a recruitment expert. I recruited my all of my assistants, and one of them lived. Oh. Oh yeah, so they're second in line. Yeah. Look at him there. Well, don't bring me into this yet. <laughs> well, yeah, hang on. Who asked Excuse you to me? talk? I mean, other than me, kind of specifically implying it there. Bite down, little little thing. Hello, hello. Everyone's gonna get a turn. Everyone's gonna get a turn. We address we address things one at a time. Can I just can I just give you a quick a quick top tip? Mm-hmm. This this guy back here. This little, this little, this little trouble muffin uh-huh. will challenge your presumptions at every turn. Will will winkle away at every little crack in your credo, in your faith, until you just crumble away like dust, like dusty bread, like bread you tried to eat, but oh no, it's dust. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay, well, uh, not that I want to lead you per- on about your decision making process, oh. but if you let them in, you'll all die. Oh, that's uh. Right. Just put oh. that out there. Okay. All right, so guy I'm number not two. We don't worried, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I guess uh, now we have all of the information that we need. Yeah, <laughs> let's turn it over to some. Might say too much. <laughs> Do you want some more information? I will go for literally days. <laughs> so we have an exit survey that we'll email to you just to see, like, assess how we did as interviewers. And if mm. you have, I can any... tell you right now, you, I like this you. little squeaky one over there. I could take or leave. The one who asked me questions about why I did things, stab him in the face. Is that, is that all right? Stabbing. I don't. 
I don't think we'll do. I'm a kid, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You're you're supposed to interview me, and I'm not allowed the option of just look. Now, some people might say, didn't do my reading on the interviews when I came in. Didn't know you were a kid. What is a kid? Yet an uncooked adult. Someone who is under. You're underdone, and you deserve to go. Okay. 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 Well, fantastic. so when can I expect... It's a no. When, no, when can it's I, sorry, a no. I, I had a question. When can I expect my yes? See, that's a leading... I could ask a leading question. When can I expect the acceptance of my candidacy? I'd like to know. Re- releases See, will uh, be rolling. Uh, yeah, it's Captain, do we have a tri- timeline on that? Uh, yeah, uh, um, it will, will come with you. Your 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 uh, uh, follow-up messages will be summarily, but if you do um, threaten my crew again, I will... Um, personally tear you into pieces and feed you to uh seals that are that's rapidly chasing us below mm-hmm. even i would like to reconsider the whole thing where i threatened a kid with death but you know what <laughs> that happens in job sometimes you're in a job interview you didn't you don't thing is i don't like yeah, to, i don't know if you noticed this thanks, i didn't open my eyes sir. once during this interview i like to go in blind but in a very literal sense so uh, i just spit, didn't open get my the eyes. stage cane please thank you oh is it oh, I, oh, I yep, here oh, we I, go if you need if you need anything from me just let me know um, my number is five. 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 <laughs> Delightful. What was One he One of the few things we kept from the Pirates of Pensacola. <laughs> well, the birds what? are fine. Um, oh, where'd he go? <laughs> no. I was. I was a yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's our button. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. 
I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. To strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.